with Pastor Diana on her birthday giving the message to <laughs> Good morning, Christ Fellowship. And good morning, those of you joining us via live stream. Um, it's exciting today. We're wrapping up our series on loving your neighbor that we've been doing for the past month. If you've missed any portion of that series or you just want to catch up or recap, you can do that by going uh, to our app. You can go to our website um, or you can uh, check out our Facebook page uh, to listen to any uh, part of that series or any other series or teaching that you're interested in. Now, something that we've been doing here for the last couple of weeks, which many love and a few try to sneak out on us, is we've been asking you to stand up and greet someone that you do not know. And today, as we end our series, we are going to do the same thing. We're going to give you five minutes to stand up and walk over to someone that you do not know, introduce yourself, and get to know something about them. We're going to have a countdown clock on the screen behind me. It's going to have five minutes. And when those five minutes are up, we're going to go to a video. When you hear and see that video, please go back to your seats. Okay? I see the excited faces. You guys have five minutes. Go greet someone. Now, the video ended with, you will know them by their love no exceptions and the verse in the bible that this is referencing is john 13 35 that says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another and my first question this morning for us is is this true of our lives can people or do people say that about us Think about the last 24 hours, the interactions that you may have had with different people, maybe at the checkout line, at the grocery store, or maybe driving around town. Maybe you walked by a homeless person. Would these people know that you are a follower of Jesus? Would your friends, would your coworkers, would your family say that you are full of love would that be the first thing that they said when they described you or would they be surprised to hear that you are a follower of jesus and that's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to recap this series that we've been doing about loving your neighbor that we've been going over and last week pastor carlos was talking about the pharisees and how they lived this life where they were just, they just weren't setting the right example. They were full of pride, right? They were the first ones to judge the people around them. They made life difficult for those that were trying to walk with God or get to know him. They were very good at pointing out the sin in other people's eyes, but not necessarily dealing with the sin in their life they didn't live or practice what they preached and then we also learn to not walk in pride but to walk in humility and then weeks prior to that we also learned several things we talked about how we may not be uh, a racist but we can be racially offensive if we're not careful with what we say 
that we need to get to know people, ask questions instead of making assumptions about them. We also learn that we need to give in-group love to those that are in our out-groups. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to be talking about in-groups and out-groups, giving in-group love to your out-groups. Now, what is an in-group? An in-group can be any group that you identify with based on your gender, your religion, your profession, any of those things, they are considered your in-group. These are people that you're comfortable with, you're familiar with. Maybe you're all firemen or all nurses, right? Or Christians that we come to the same church together or you're part of a, a home group. Whatever it is, these are the people that you associate with, that you are closest to. They could, they're your friends, your buddies, tu gente, your people, right? Those that you spend time with that you know. And in this in-group, we give preferential treatment to those that we believe are a part of this group. Where there's a higher level of trust with them, of love, of patience, benefit of the doubt, we're interested in what they're doing. We're comfortable around those in our in-group. And just to be clear, every one of us sitting here today has in-groups. Not just a few. We all have in-groups. Whether we do it intentionally or not, we all have in-groups. And we also all have out-groups, whether we do it intentionally or not. And those in the out-group, we identify those as people that are not like me. We tend to be less familiar, less trusting, less patient, less loving with them. We tend to make more assumptions about people in this group, the out group. And one way that we can identify those people that we consider or subconsciously are in our out group is when we start to relate to them as them, those and they, that group, those people. And when we start to do that, we start to put a level of separation between us and them. Now, in-groups and out-groups, that's nothing new to our generations. This isn't something that just started, that never happened before. In-group and out-groups have been going on for years, and you can read about them in the Bible when you hear about Nazarenes, and you hear about the Jews, and the Gentiles, or widows, or you hear about the tent makers and the carpenters, all of these are in and out groups. And what happened was what Jesus started to hear about this, and he could see that something was happening. And Jesus purposefully went after those in the out groups. He didn't run away from them. And today we're going to highlight three out groups that were talked about in the Bible that are still going on today. We just use different names, okay? So the first outgroup is the sick. And in Matthew 9, we read about Jesus going to Matthew and telling him to follow him. He passes by Matthew. He says, Matthew, come and follow me. Now, for some of us who may not know, Matthew was a tax collector. 
And in biblical times, the tax collectors were considered by the Jews to be traitors because they were Jewish people that were working for the Roman government. So they were traitors. Not only that, the tax collectors would you know, put additional burdens on the people to try and bribe them and extort more money from them. So they were disliked. Most tax collectors were well-to-do. They made money off the people. And now the Pharisees, they hated the tax collectors. They were at a distance from them. They thought that they were just nothing to be close to. They were sick. They were shunned. But Jesus saw them as the spiritually sick that needed to be healed. So we're going to read Matthew 9, starting in verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? So we're going to pause right there. Do you hear what's happening? Because they use some of the key words. Why is Jesus eating with those people, with them, with the sinners, those that are unclean, those tax collectors, those that are taking our money. Why is he with them? They're not like us. Why is he with them? And Jesus responds in verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And Jesus used the concept of a doctor and a patient to indicate that he came for the sick to be cured, both physically and spiritually. He came for the sinner to be made righteous and the marginalized and excluded people, the outgroup, to be drawn into his in-group. Be careful how you look at those you may consider as sick. Be careful how you view them and how you look upon those that you may consider to be a sinner. Sometimes we forget what God has forgiven us from, and sometimes we forget what he's done in our lives, and we look at those people, and we don't want to associate with them. But Jesus came for them. As much as he came for us, he came for each and every single one of us. So be careful how you look at those that you consider to be a sinner. Sometimes we get lost in it, right? And we forget that people need spiritual healing, that God is there to work in their lives as much as he works in our lives. And we forget, right? We look at them sometimes and we're like, you know what? They should know better. They should know better than to be in the situation that they're in. They should have done things differently. That's what they get. And we may not say that, but we have those thoughts. So my caution this morning is be careful how you think because we are all sinners. We've just been forgiven and they need a savior as well. The second outgroup that Jesus reached out to were the Samaritans. And for this, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And it reads, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And we're going to pause here again. So I can give you a little background. This expert in the law was a lawyer. Not a lawyer in the sense that we have today or that we think about, but he was an expert in Mosaic law. So Jesus answered him by asking him a question. You're an expert in the law. How do you interpret it? And when we read that scripture, it tells us that he answered it correctly. He said the right things. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he gave the right answer, but we saw before that he asked him, but who is the neighbor? And the issue wasn't that he didn't know the law. The issue wasn't that he didn't know what the Bible said. The issue was how he was interpreting that law. His interpretation of that law was the issue. He was interpreting it in a way that was best for him. Because in that time, what they were doing was, you know, I got this, Jesus. I can love you. I can love you with all my heart, with all my mind. I got this. I can do that. And my neighbor, those that are like me, those that think like me, those that look like me, those are my neighbors, right? And that's how he was justifying it. And sometimes we do the same thing. If it's easier for us, we read it, we know what the Bible says, but we don't go that extra step that God wants us to take. The sacrifice. You see, it's easy sometimes to do one thing, but to truly follow through and do what God wants us to do, that's the hard part. And his interpretation was one of these where he said, you know what, in the Greek, neighbor means someone who is near me, and in Hebrew, it means someone that you have an association with. So I'm covered. That's my neighbor. Not so fast. See, those interpretations were limiting. They would have excluded Samaritans, Romans, foreigners. So Jesus, wanting to correct that false narrative, he went on to give him this parable. And we're going to continue in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. 
Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Now here we see and we read that a priest, a holy one, someone who worked in the temple, who should have known better because they knew the law, went away from this person that needed help. And he wasn't the only one. Then a Levite came, and a Levite was an assistant to the priest in the temple. Much like a leader here in a church. And did they stop? No. They walked the other way. And then the Samaritan stopped. This Samaritan, we don't know anything. All we know is that they're Samaritan, showed empathy, compassion, love, and care. The story doesn't tell us if the injured person was a Jew or a Gentile. It didn't matter to the Samaritan. He simply knew that he had to do something about it. Now, if you think about what the Samaritan did, it, it's like he was on his way somewhere. He had things to do, time, you know, a, a plan probably of where he was going, an agenda. And this stopped him in his tracks. He gave up his time to take care of this person that he did not know, but they needed something. They were injured. He gave of his money, right? Because it says that he gave the innkeeper money to take care of him. And not only that, not knowing the expense that it was going to be. When I come back around, I will pay you anything else that you've spent on him. He gave up his own, let's say his own ride. He gave up his own donkey and put this injured person on the donkey and brought them to the inn. How many times have we maybe encountered a situation that we may not have responded to because we had somewhere to go. We had something to do. It didn't fit into our time that day. That is what this man did. In verse 36, Jesus responds and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him to go and do likewise. I just want to point out here that he couldn't bring himself to say Samaritan. The man who showed mercy. He couldn't even bring himself to say that. So my question to us this morning is another one is who is our neighbor? Because if it's not the definitions that I gave us, who is our neighbor? And if we follow this, our neighbor is those we encounter in our everyday activities. We are to show compassion and love for them regardless of their race, religion, sexual orientation, legal status, or political party affiliations. If there is a need and we have the supply, then we are to give generously and freely without expectation of return. So now let's think. Let's, let's look inside ourselves and let's make this personal. Are we quick to love or are we quick to judge, talk about, and criticize, and walk past others because we see them as less than us? Because they are not like us. Because they are of a different race. Do we walk past them? 
because of their religion? Do we simply give up because they have a different religion and we say, you know what, they have a different religion, that's on them. I'm going to stay over here. Or do we show love to them? Do we walk past those that need help because of their sexual orientation? Do we allow that to stop us because of their legal status? Do we allow that to stop us from showing love, mercy, and helping out when there's a need? Who is our neighbor? It's anyone we encounter in our everyday activities. I remember one night, not to, maybe, ah, timing is not good for me. I can't remember a few months ago or a few weeks ago, but I remember I was at Walgreens and I was picking something up and I was standing in line and there was a, a, a lady in front of me with two children and there was a couple behind me. And it was late at night. And I remember looking at her. I was just standing there looking and, the, you know, sometimes you go shopping with kids and they want more, but you can't. So you could see that there was this struggle going on. The kids wanted all these things, and she's like, no, 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 no. And she goes to pay, and she went to pay with food stamps. And the person behind me, out of nowhere, was just like, oh, you're paying with money from my pocket. I froze. I was there, and I couldn't believe it. And the kids... They're looking at the man like, what are you saying? I'm looking at the man like, what are you saying? And I just froze in my tracks because you know what? The person behind me made an assumption. Knowing nothing about this woman in front of me. I knew nothing about her. I don't know her situation. I don't know anything that she is going through. But the person made an assumption there. And all I did was I just looked at her and I smiled the best that I could smile, like, it, it's okay, you know, don't, don't listen to that. But I remember it breaking my heart. And sometimes, you know, we, 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 we say things without thinking. We express things that we may not mean, but you know what? If we're expressing them, they're in our heart. So today I ask us to have a heart check. Do we express love to people or are we quick to judge them? Is this... You know, are you there because you deserve to be there? Or they're going through this financial situation because they didn't take care of their money, they should have known better? Who are we? Who are we to say that when we don't know anything about what a person is going through? So how do we respond? Are we quick to love or are we quick to judge? And the third group that Jesus reached out to is called our enemies. There was a misconception going around that if you loved your neighbor, then you should hate your enemies. But Jesus had a different take on this. And for that, we're going to go to Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. And it says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, Jesus defines enemy for us, right, in this context. He means people that may oppose us or try to hurt us. People who have harmful intentions and clear hostility towards us. Those who literally persecute us. And many of us sitting here today have had some experience with that, where people have really literally gone after them and made them, made you their enemy. And you may not even know why, but he points out what we should do. And he says we should love them, bless them, do good toward them, and pray for them. Now, I don't know about you, as I was reading this and I was preparing this, I'm like, Jesus, are you kidding me? You know how hard it is to love people and to love my neighbor and to do what is right, but now you want me to love my enemy, those that have come after me that are doing it intentionally? Not only do you want me to love them, but you want me to pray for them? You want me to bless them? I only do that for those closest to me, those in my in-group. And God is saying, no, it's different. I want you to love them. It's enemies run a wide spectrum from someone who can slightly hurt you to someone who caused a serious offense or maybe even devastated your life. Our enemies may attack us physically or merely gossip about us. They may even persecute us because of our beliefs. And in our highly charged religious and political climate, our enemies may be in the Middle East or just on the opposite pole of current American politics. Racial and ethnic tensions are very high, creating battlefields and enemies in communities and hearts. Creating enemies in our hearts. We make assumptions about people that we may not know. Or we heard, like, um, my father's so good for this. You know, Fulano told him, Fulano is so-and-so. Fulano in Spanish. So Fulano told him that Fulano's cousin, who's married to his niece, told him this. So it must be true. Right? So-and-so said, well, who's so-and-so? Well, I don't know. You know, he's third cousin, 10 times removed from the next door neighbor, but he said it, so it must be true. You know, we allow these things to come in and they create enemies in our heart, but Jesus has a different response for us, and that is to love our enemies. And he says, then we will be true sons and daughters of our father, treating our enemies like Jesus treats us. I found an excerpt from Dr. Martin Luther King in a sermon that he did on loving your enemies. And he uh, delivered this message at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, November 17, 1957. And I want you to hear what he says. Another way that you love your enemy is this. When the opportunity presents itself for you to defeat your enemy, that is the time which you must not do it. There will come a time in many instances when the person who hates you most, the person who has misused you most, the person who has gossiped about you most, 
the person who has spread false rumors about you most. There will come a time when you will have an opportunity to defeat that person. It might be in terms of a recommendation for a job. It might be in terms of helping that person to make some move in life. That's the time you must not do it. That is the meaning of love. In the final an analysis, love is not the sentimental something that we talk about. It's not merely an emotional something. Love is creative. Understanding goodwill for all men. It is the refusal to defeat any individual. When you rise to the level of love, of its great beauty and power, you seek only to defeat evil systems. Individuals who happen to be caught up in the system, you love, but you seek to defeat the system. And when I read that, it instantly brought me to Ephesians 6, 12, that says, for we wrestle not against flesh, and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that is what it brought me to. Because if we allow the enemy to have his way, we will make people our enemies. We will view them as our enemies. And we will forget that the true enemy is the devil. And he is out there. And if he can keep us in in-groups and out-groups, with no communication whatsoever, with no love for one another, then he has won and we have lost the battle that we're here to fight. And that is to show love, to show the love that Jesus has for each and every single one of us. So let's not forget who we are truly fighting against. It's the enemy. Now what Today, you know, how many enemies do you have? Have you even thought about it? Have you thought about it? I know I hadn't thought about it in the context of enemies, but I know that when there were people that I didn't necessarily agree with on Facebook, I was quick to hide them because I didn't agree with them. So there you go, you're off. You know, and, but do we shy away from people because we don't necessarily agree? Do we give up on people? How do we treat our enemies? Do we love them or do we hate on them? Do we unfriend them? Do we gossip about them? Do we go to other people and say, you know, so-and-so did this to me. I'm just telling you so you can watch out so they don't do that to you. You know, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to be helpful, but you know, how are we responding to our enemies? How are we responding to them? Are we, are we responding to them in love? What will we choose today? Will we choose to reach beyond our comfort zones? It's not comfortable, I get it. It's not easy for some of us to maybe speak to other people or get to know other people. Do you know, it's not easy for some of us if you grew up in homes where you were taught that a certain group you had to be careful of. It's not easy, but you know what? God makes it possible. So my question to you today is what will you choose? Will you choose to reach beyond your comfort zones, beyond our in-groups, to those outside, to those people, to the sick, to our Samaritans, our neighbors, and to our enemies? Will we extend love? Will we choose to extend love no matter what? 
no matter what, no matter who they are, will we choose to extend love to them? Understanding and knowing that we were all made in his image. Male and female, he made them, and he made them in his image. We were all made by the same creator. Will we extend love, or will we continue to keep ourselves in our in-group and not get to know other people and not share the message that we're called to share. You see, we're called to share that message with everyone, not just those that are in our groups, not just those that look like us, that act like us, that believe the word of God like us. That's not what we were called to do. We were called to go beyond those walls. We were called to take a step out in faith, take a step out and get to know someone, their situation, and extend that same love that God has given each and every single one of us. So my question today, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, is what will you choose today? Will you choose to love? Will you choose to say, you know what, God? I want to love like never before. I want to go to a higher level I want to draw closer to you and reach out to those that you have placed around me. And I'm going to ask you today, if that is the choice that you're willing to make, to come forward, to surrender, to give that up to God, to give your heart up to him and allow him to come in and do the work that needs to be done in your life. If that is the choice that you're going to make today, then I ask you to come forward. We have hearts here that we've been filling out and we've been putting on the cross, and you can fill out that heart if you want to. You can write out whatever you're giving to him. If it's someone that you need to forgive, if it's a hurt in your own life that you've gone through, Come forward and write it and surrender to him and spend time worshiping with the Lord. And you're going to hear this song and listen to the words of it.